0: He's back. Sports radio. is back. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440, presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com.
1: Welcome to the Lowdown Friday edition. Long weekend just around the corner. A turkey involved. Oh my! Thanks for tuning in to Sports 1440. Our show today: Oilers versus Kraken tonight in the finale of the preseason. Then all roster hell will break loose. We'll talk about that today. I'll give you my predictions. And, well, there's some interesting things already happening at the rink. We'll get to that in two shakes. Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. You can tune in. Just hit the dial at 1440. Uh, text or call one 401 1440 Twitter at Low Tide and Declan Kruger. And the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com Our guest today is Travis Yost of TSN got a great article up on the pressure on Philip Burlberg with the Edmonton Oilers this year. They need him to turn out. Steve Lansky from Big Mouth Sports. Going to talk to him about You know, his joy in going to local rinks and watching minor hockey and AJHL hockey and uh, WHL, and back in Ontario did the same thing. He loves hockey, and I want him to talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the Jays, of course, and the Edmonton Otters as they get ready for, what is their, is it their 44th or 45th season? Because there was a lockout, right? We'll get on that, I promise. Tyler Chuck from Daily Faceoff will join us as well. I want to talk to him about his ideas for the lineup. I think Lane Peterson gets sent down, but we'll talk about that as the day goes by. You know, there's some times in life where you get to interview somebody that you are kind of in awe of a little bit. You know, when I interviewed Grant Fear, I felt that way. And uh, interviewing Conor McDavid was a real thrill. And I've talked to a few people over the years that have just kind of uh, blown me away in terms of their presence and uh, I didn't interview John Candy, but I talked to him. That was a, a, a big deal. I'll never forget. But in terms of broadcasting, and I worked with a lot of great broadcasters who, who are, you know, I, w- I was delighted to be a part of whatever we were doing, but Dan Patrick will be here at 1230 on Tuesday and we will interview him. And I'm nervous because I know what Dan Patrick means to the broadcast industry and if I, if, I ask, if I ask a poor question, j is going to fly his helicopter over here, land it on my car, come in here, and put the boots to me. So I'm going to spend the entire weekend thinking of great questions for Dan Patrick when he appears here 1230 Tuesday. Cannot wait. That is a real honor. We're delighted to have him. The Edmonton Oilers have had their skate. They've had people talk to the, the media. And here's what we know. Matthias Ekholm will not play. He skated with the main group this morning. He won't play. He did say he's not sure when he'll be ready and if he'll be ready for opening night. He says his injury has taken longer to heal than he originally thought. I wrote about it in The Athletic today. It is not a disaster, but it is a difficult thing because we know what Matthias Ekholm can do. And now we have to ask the questions. When he comes back, will he be 100%? Should the orders put him on LTIR? Is it going to be that long? You know the 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 verbal we got from the coaching staff was, "Oh no, he, if it was a playoff game, he'd play." Okay, and that was some time ago. So which is it? And I'm not trying to you know be funny here, but this is a big story, and you you can frame it however you want. But Matias Ekholm was a massive investment. We know he's an older player. We know when and where he got the injury. And that's a story. And the Oilers, through the entire preseason, well, you know, if we play, it'd be tonight. Okay. And now the player says, well, it's, it's healing slowly. Okay. I said yesterday, the problem is you develop a past. Let's play a game. How does this resemble what happened with Ryan McLeod in the spring? I think the answer is pretty damn close. I I humbly submit it would be better to be straight up. Matias Ekholm is hurt. Not sure if he's going to be able to make it for opening night. It may last ten games into the season. There's a possibility of LTIR. If they need to do that, I don't know that they do. Just seems to me that it, it it's um you're you're prolonging the story, but then it becomes a bigger story because we're on the eve of opening night. And we find out about it do we care about baseball playoffs anymore I mean honestly the Expos don't exist and the Jays are out of it so how upset are we going to be like if Texas leaves or whatever I know everybody hates Texas but not everybody but they're not a popular team among Jays fans I- I'm I'm not sure like we'll cover it I love baseball but are, are are you really interested let me know okay like like give us a text. We'll talk about it today. 1-833-401-1440. I think uh, Declan is texting into the... Right now into the...
2: I'm just doing my thing over here. You know how I'd be the first uh, 20 minutes of the show. I spent i I've a, decided because I,
1: li- I was listening back to the show yesterday and... I've decided to give you some kind of a hang up about it. Okay, I mention it all the time, so so you will in your mind reach a point where you want to work, you need to work, you have to work, but you don't want to make any noise. I know. I'm. What am I? Gonna, I'm going to have to take the typewriter
2: of the next room over or something, and just just hope for the best. <laughs> I've already got you calling it a
1: typewriter. My work is done. Did I call
2: here. it a typewriter? Yeah,
1: you did. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I. It's really only am of, it's, no, it's my influence because I it I say be. old words and you are picking up on it. I like that. That's incredible! I can't believe I did that. For those playing along at home, what are you typing when you type in? Is it notes to your girl, or what are you doing over there?
2: No, so I mean, a lot of it goes into uh, setting up the the stuff for the podcast on our podcasting system, Acast. The the sports updates okay. uh, that go into that, and uh, messages to guests. So,
1: can I grab you for one quick minute? And Absolutely. Have you, I'm going to give you. No, the, I'm here. I'm going to give. Well, I know you're a busy man. I, I don't want to take all of your time. You know, out there, you know, you're playing the casino and. Uh, Maybe making some bets. Get if I could some, get away with it. Ooh. Get some bingo cards. Um oh, so Rangers Orioles. Yes. I like the Orioles. What do you like?
2: I like the Orioles as well, and I'm rooting for them, like I've said. I like they've just been such a consistent team throughout the year. Like the Rangers They've had points. They've had points of what looks like stardom, but the Orioles have just been so consistent throughout the whole season. Yeah. And I think you can have those highs throughout the regular season, but the consistency is what I want to see in playoff baseball, and I think the Orioles have that. Twins-Astros? I think, I think I'm think i going to go for the Twins, just because if the Twins end up running the table and go all the way and are World Series champions, at least we can say, hey, we lost to the World Series champions, so I'll pull for the Twins in that one. All right, and then uh,
1: next up we have uh, Phillies-Braves. I think the Braves are just too no, good. I agree yeah. with you there. And then Dodgers, Diamondbacks. I'm assuming you're going to say LA. Yeah,
2: I'm going to take the Dodgers again. Similar no. to the Braves, I just think they're a much better team.
1: No, I mentioned Yoast. I mentioned landscape I mentioned your Mchuck. I did not mention declinations, and they're coming up at twelve twenty. Can you give us a little tease, sir? Or are you have you even started prepping it?
2: No, I have started prepping it a little. Bit. I'm I'm making my way through it. That's what the uh, the typing's all about here. No, I we're going to do the top five events, moments, plays that change sports moving forward. Okay. Now, right. the idea came to me from my sister, and I didn't do it the past two weeks, so she got up in my grill a little bit, said, hey, like, uh, wh- where's all this? Like, well, I gave she's this usually idea. not
1: you not paying any attention and listening, so yeah, she exactly. doubled back as I'm, she would.
2: I'm surprised she even came back to call me out on it. I thought I could get away scot-free on that one. Not the case. So we are going to be cares. doing that today. She does. Try very to advance kind of your career. She's, she, we're, we're, we're inter-provincial because she's listening uh, from Ontario, so nice. we, we love and appreciate her. Well,
1: say hi for her. Absolutely. Does she like the
2: show? She does. Okay. She does. like, And she's not really, you know, she's not a sports fan. So well, it's a, it's nice that we're, we're breaking down the walls. Of, well,
1: I think if you listen to this show, you know that we do a lot of sports, but we do a lot of outside sports, too. We
2: do do a lot. My yeah. girlfriend, one time she listened and we were talking about Madonna and she was a big fan of that. Oh, good. So okay. I'm very happy we were yeah. able to bridge that gap uh, yeah. between
1: fandoms. You're going to be a lucky star. There you go. <laughs> so um, we'll look forward to that coming up in about 10 minutes from right now, if I keep time, which... Is unlikely. Um, I don't. I'm not going to do the twenty man, one man roster right now. Ah, maybe I could. All right. I'm going to give you the assumed roster tonight, and then I'm going to go through the 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 my my prediction for the twenty one man roster for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. It's McDavid between Kane and Brown, Drysaddle between Nuge and Hyman. I think they're set. I think those lines are set. Third line is Peterson between Fogel and Lavoie. Yanmark between Ernie and Ryan, and then Nurse Bouchard, Gleason, CeCe, Broberg, DeHarnay, and Campbell. I believe this will be the last game for Peterson, the last game for Adam Ernie, and the depending upon injury, the last game for Mr. Gleason. Now, again, injuries are going to have an impact here. If Matthias Ekholm, Matthias Ekholm can't play, then it's going to be maybe Ben Gleason. At least, you know, on the roster, maybe not playing, but on the roster. So here is my prediction for the Edmonton Orders opening night roster McDavid, Drysidel, Hyman, Kane, Nuge, Fogel, McLeod, Yanmark, Holloway, Ryan, Lavoie, Curtis, I'm sorry, Connor Brown. Lane Peterson doesn't make it. Voted off the island. And that's 12. Defenseman Nurse, Ekholm, Bouchard, C.C. Kulak, DeHarnay, Roberg, Nima Linen—a little bit of a factor here. Nima Linen was healthy, healthy enough to skate now, so they can send him down. If you if he was hurt, they wouldn't be able to. He'd be on IR, and that would impact the roster. So Nima Linen and Peterson go down, and then the goaltenders are Campbell and Skinner. Uh, Adam Ernie, obviously, sent out as well. That's my feeling on the issue. Lane Peterson, Marcus name Adam Ernie. Any thoughts there?
2: No, I liked it for the most part. I don't think I I don't think I can have anything that would give us uh, any good debate here. Well, I think I'm just going to let you roll with that
1: one. Good beat, you can dance to it. It's it's a nice song. There's no doubt about that. I'm sorry, Decton, I thought you were against the Orioles. I'm back to liking you more again.
2: No, li- like listen, they've been—I mean, they've been terrible, and they're—they're they're just the yuppie underdog. I mean, I, I think I touched on this earlier this week. They had the third lowest payroll in baseball. They had the lowest payroll in the AL East. Mm-hmm. They're an easy team to root for. They damn right they're. They are. Easy, they're yeah. similar to the Detroit Lions. You know, I always like things to football. They feel a little bit like the Detroit Lions for me, and for that reason, I hope they can run the table and go all the way. Yeah. Unless it's the Minnesota Twins. Then I'll also be happy because we lost the World Series champs.
1: I I understand why people say that. I I just, I feel like it's... um, Are you the opposite camp? You're
2: now rooting on the Twins' failure because they were the ones who knocked us out? No, I don't
1: care. Like, here's my thing. As I get older, and you may find this, Declan, I don't cheer necessarily for teams so much anymore or against teams so much anymore. I cheer for individuals. Like, I cheer for Vladdy Guerrero. And I cheer for, there's a... There's a player on the Washington Nationals named Josiah Gray, Mm -hmm. and he's a young fireballing pitcher. He reminds me a little of Floyd Yeomans, and I cheered for Floyd Yeomans, and he didn't make it, so I'm hoping Josiah Gray is the reincarnation of Floyd Yeomans.
2: I am very much in that camp, especially when it comes to basketball. Jimmy Butler is my favorite player. I have a a jersey of every team he's ever been on. Wherever Jimmy Butler goes, they will have a fan in me. Yeah, and I will love Jimmy Butler until the day he doesn't want to do it anymore.
1: And and I like I am not one of those people who tracks everybody down and follows it, um, uh, like to the nth degree. But you remember the kid who cried on the the court for Gonzaga when the game wasn't over and everybody was all over him? This is years ago what year would this have been oh i don't remember he was a young man long long hair hippie really oh adam morrison i think you yeah. may be talking about Yeah, yes. sorry, he had morrison. the sleeves He yeah. was the
2: third overall pick in the uh, 2006 draft i believe right yep.
1: and he did not have a great career but i always i always cheered for him because yeah. i always felt bad for him you know i wish he'd gotten up and played but as a gonzaga fan but i i, I felt bad because in a moment right you know yep. And, it and, really
2: is. That tournament breaks hearts and makes oh, dreams come true. So bad. It's incredible. He is a two-time champion, though. So he's got the he's got the I know, but he didn't
1: really have a. Great, oh, he didn't contribute at all. Yeah. No, but well. he's you know,
2: <laughs> banners hang forever.
1: He didn't. He didn't do a damn thing. But he's got two rings. That you you have a um, you have a delightful way of dismissing people and their entire lives. I love that.
2: I'm pretty for someone who obviously never had a shot at making pro sports i'm pretty great professional athletes
1: that's not back. true you swam like a a, a, a whatever swims well yeah uh, that was the one i Porpoise. that was that was the one
2: that i actually was on pace for but i gave it up at 14 because it was just it was
1: training 24 hours a week it was ridiculous it was I, I would i would change my answer i wouldn't i said i discovered women and cars at 14 and then i that was my life
2: but i wanted to play other sports i wanted to play football basketball
1: and were so. you any good at any of those?
2: I was. I was a better swimmer, but I was good. I was good. At, I was a two-time MVP in my high school basketball team. Now, what Promise. position did you play? I
1: was a shooting guard. I don't. But you don't lie. I, I believe you. Yeah. I, what about football? What position? I was a defensive back. Yeah. I was a defensive back. I was. I a, played
2: what would be what would be equivalent to a nickel corner in an American football system, but the defensive halfback here in the CFO.
1: I went out for uh, football in Maidstone, and I was. Uh, we lined up, and we did a bunch of other stuff, but with the first scrimmage we had. I lined up in middle linebacker, uh, and a man named Larry Lundquist ran like beyond over me. I mean, you could have you could have actually just poured a little bit of grass on there and that would have oh, been yeah. where I stayed. And I was like, I don't know that this game is for me. Because I thought, I thought you got to hit people. <laughs> yes, but what I found out right? was that people actually hit you first.
2: Well, so. I remember in in the first game of the grade 12 season, I've told this story on air before, we played Chuba Hubbard. We played his team, the mm-hmm. bed Falcons. Obviously, he went on to be an Oklahoma State legend and an NFL running back. So that it did ease the pain a little bit. But he took his first touch of the game. It was a stretch play to the weak side. And I was the weak side half. He got outside on me immediately, cut it up on our corner, and was gone. And I just remember thinking, Oh man, this is going to be a long day because well, that kid is fast. And then
1: what happened is what you were thinking. They right?
2: yeah they won. Fi- they were up twenty four nothing after the first quarter. Ended up winning fifty three nothing. I think I had one tackle on him in the third quarter. Uh, and I remember it, me. You and tackled Connor, Hubbard? Yeah. Bobby oh, Eccles, very cool. Yeah, that was my claim. To, and I remember my dad said he was like like once Chuba made the NFL, he was like, at least you get to say you played against him. Well, so I was like, you ah, tackled him. I did. I was like, I don't really want to be known for that, but it is it is cool. But I remember me and Connor had well, what him. What do you want
1: to be known for?
2: Being the best producer Low Tide's ever had.
1: (laughs) Oh, stop it. Oh, you silly. Just to wrap this up quickly, me
2: and Connor had him on the four-down breakdown at the old network, and I asked him, I was like, when you were playing against us, was it just like you just looked at us like we were barbecue chicken, we had nothing for you? And he said,
1: oh, oh, yeah, like you guys were easy, like you guys, it was nothing to me. And I was like, ah great running backs make you look for... I remember Barry Sanders, you'd he, be running and then he would just, oh, I'm going to go there instead. And all of the, the defenders would be like if they're out yep. of the play, in a heartbeat. He was so fast. So good. So good. And his cuts were amazing. Alright, on the way later this hour, Travis Yost, declinations coming up next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Holy smoke, you're from Maidstone. Larry Lundquist at Farm North on Highway 21. Small world. No wonder you have the love for Turtle Lake. Did you know the Westons? Ha ha, I will stop there. Go Maidstone Jets. Yes, I I lived, I knew the the Donalds and I worked for Bud Leachman. One time Bud Leachman drove into our yard and he said, Ira, that was my dad, I need your boys to work a full day. I'll pay him. And my dad said, well, you don't have to pay them, bud. They could use a good day's work. That was my life. All fine people. So I, I could have made my Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. It is now now time for declinations. And I think this is the best one because your sister thought of it. And I love that she's, you know, are you paying her? Like, because she should be on payroll now.
2: Yeah, she probably should be. She's going to do big enough things without uh, me putting her on the payroll. So, oh, so I'm not she, too when is she about going that. to
1: run for office? When what's happening there? Is Sooner it, than later, I would imagine. Okay. Uh, i I'll, uh, jury's when, still out if I'm going to vote for her or not. But when she runs for office, will you be a positive or a negative? When they're having the meetings about what not to let out of the into the public eye or associate with, you know, individuals, will you be a ne'er do well or an advantage?
2: I've thought about this. I think I'll be a, a safe middle ground. They'll be like, you know what? Why don't we just, we won't talk about your brother. No need to bring him up. I think it'll probably be
1: in that camp. Okay. All right. It won't be a bad thing. It won't be a hammer against her.
2: No, I don't think it'll be a hammer against her, but I don't think I'll definitely be winning her too many votes. Well,
1: well, I mean, you know, your life isn't over yet. You could do something really good or, or, you know, bad. So tell us about it and what do you have?
2: All right. So today, like I said, I'm doing the top five moments, plays, events that change sports moving forward. I kept it pretty broad because I don't have. It's not just a list of plays. It's not just a list of uh, governing bodies making it making a decision. Uh, It's it's a healthy mix of all of them. So, without further ado, I'll get into it. Number five, I have Sean Avery screening Martin Brodeur.
1: That was ridiculous. That was
2: ridiculous. Obviously, the Avery rule is implemented, and the the reason it may not be like a three point line in basketball or a you know a shootout in hockey but it was just the way like it's no it's a one, deliberate
1: attempt to disrupt the game and change the game yes. and you can't have
2: that and no one would do it except for Sean Avery maybe Matt Barnaby would have tried something like that yeah. but Sean Avery was the guy who did it the NHL was pretty quick to crack down and say no nah, that's going to be an unsportsmanlike penalty it was just so there was you couldn't predict something like that happening yeah.
1: unless well, it was a guy like Sean Avery and it happened and the league was quick on it that's why God invented the titmouse so he'd have a word to use for things like that mm-hmm. and the rat
2: yeah all right, number four. This one a little bit more somber, uh, but it was the death of Kim Duk Koo in boxing. So, for those who don't know, which I would I would assume maybe is, is most people, Kim Kim Duk Koo was a was a South Korean fighter. He fought Ray Mancini for the lightweight world title in 1982. Uh, war of a fight, war of a fight, back and forth. He ended up getting knocked out in the 14th round. Fell into a coma moments after the fight. Uh, was transported to a hospital. He had a 100 cubic centimeter subdural hematoma and he ended up wow. dying a few days later and really really i don't want to get too somber with it like i said but really tragic events surrounding that fight after his mother uh three months later ended up ending her life the referee involved oh. it with about nine months later ended his life ray mancini i mean was just a shell of himself of course so with with that with that tragic event the wbc wba WBO and the IBF they all changed world title fights from 15 rounds to 12 rounds uh, and there were new pre-fight measures put in to put in place before boxing matches essentially there was an old quote all they did was check your blood pressure and your heartbeat before before a boxing match before 1982 after that they had brain scans they had uh, they had EKGs they had lung tests the whole nine uh, so that tragic event changed the sport of boxing forever yeah. number three MLB implementing drug testing in 2003. Listen, since then, runs are down 15% and home runs are down 23%. Obviously changed the offensive portion of the game, and we know about all the greats who who dabbled in it. I mean, Mark McGuire has talked about it, A-Rod. Barry Bonds has been kept out of the Hall of Fame, but there's no doubt the MLB implementing that drug testing changed
1: the sport moving forward. It did, and it. it uh, I have a lot of uh, things to say about that, but we will move on because I'm in a good mood.
2: Number two. The tuck rule. This one had been in the league since 1999, but wasn't really widely known about until that 2002 playoff game with the uh, Patriots and the Raiders. Obviously, Woodson came. He came on the blitz. He ended up sacking Brady. Brady fumbled the ball. I forget who recovered it, but it was recovered by the Raiders. They went back, reviewed it, and said, no, because of the tuck rule, uh, Brady's arm was in a forward motion. We're going to call it a forward pass. The rule was eventually a little changed in 2013, um, but more or less – This rule is what potentially kickstarted Tom Brady being the goat. If it wasn't for that play, it wasn't for that rule. Who knows how history would have turned out? But that rule—he he he
1: would have been a great player.
2: He would have done fine, I'm sure. But that rule kickstarted an era,
1: so it's my—he became famous quicker. You're right.
2: And my number one, uh, this one is pretty self-explanatory, I think. April 15th, 1947, a day in history, Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier.
1: Yeah, and that was massive.
2: And that is my top five
1: events, moments, or plays
2: that change sports moving forward.
1: If you you have a chance to read or watch the movie or anything about Jackie Robinson, one of the things that when we say broke the color barrier, one of the things we say, it sounds like it was all neat and tidy. It was not. In fact, uh, opening day in Cincinnati, there was a problem. There's a lot of issues. And and uh, Jackie Robinson had to, he was a very special player and a very special human being because he had to put up with a lot and he couldn't fight back mm-hmm. because that was the the norm. Uh, and just I'm just going to linger a little bit. All of the records that were broken before the color barrier was was dissolved means that they didn't pitch against all of the best. The Negro Leagues players were not allowed to play in the Major Leagues of Baseball. Satchel Page was an old man when he made MLB, and he was a great player. So all of the records, all the Babe Ruth records, all of them, you know, if you want to hang your hat on Hank Aaron, if you want to hang your hat on Barry Bonds, I don't care. But remember, it wasn't best on best until Jackie Robinson played for the Dodgers. I've had my say. I think you did very well. I, what the, my first thought was, and I'm still mad about it, uh when they when they made Andre the Andre the Giant lose mm-hmm. to Hulk Hogan in what was it in 3? I can't remember now. I was not pleased about that. I'm not I maybe I, I defended everybody one. who was in the pin- Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh. You know. Mandy Patinkin still my guy.
2: Well, good. I'm glad you liked it. I'm. Uh, I'll give a little preview for what's going to come next week because I've already thought about it. I'm going to okay. do my top five American-born
1: hockey players. Oh, okay. Very so good. maybe
2: that that one might hit the demographic a little bit more. I know we're a hockey mad market. I hope.
1: I hope well, people Madono, tune in for that one. Dougie White, uh, Chris Chelios. I can't uh, give it away. All right. I'll look forward to that. I, uh, this you. is also very good. I'm enjoying this feature you're doing. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. I. I. I you never know right? You never know what it's going to look like or what it's going to sound like, but there, it's it's very thought-provoking. Good. And good. Well, you should thank your sister because that was a good idea.
2: I will. I will. I'll you tell know. her you're pleased with it. Did thank she did she kind.
1: contribute any of them or was it all you?
2: No, she did not. I asked her. I was like, okay, what would you put on the list? And she was like, ah, I don't know, but I think it's a good idea. And I was like, oh, you know what? It is a good idea. So I took it from there, but uh, right. she was the
1: catalyst. Well, I'll tell her good luck and and then if she ever runs for office, we'll we'll put a sign right out front. Yes, we will. All right. Uh, Good day, gents. Uh, Yes to following baseball. I'm in the opinion. Orioles as low payroll. Great story if they win it. And I'm old and I'm an old boy too. Can totally rate to cheering for players over teams. The player, Corey Seager, business-like approach and great skills from Gil. It just happens. And it's not like you even realize it. Uh, But there there comes a day when the last real baseball hate team I had was the Yankees. But then my favorite player, Tim Raines, Went to the Yankees and won a World Series, and I was so emotional when it happened uh, that I all of my anger dissolved, and now I love the Yankees, which I would never say at all. Now they're still irritating sometimes, but so are the Red Sox. You know, when the Red Sox didn't hadn't won anything, they, they I I always they always endeared themselves to me because they would do silly stuff, and you'd go, oh boy. But now that they won, their fans are just as bad as everybody else. So. Well, not everybody else. Nationals fans are pretty humble lately. Gentlemen, I'm still watching baseball, but I'm a Mariners fan, not a Jays fan. No problem for me that the Jays aren't in. I'm not an NFL guy, and Fonzie and Baron uh, Munich are playing Sunday morning. So I'll definitely be watching like I always do. Great list, Declan. Tough to argue with it. I was just expecting the Gretzky trade-on there for Mark and Esteban. Risky kid. That was a, there was a riot afterwards the, the, the old sh- footage is on YouTube
2: I didn't even think of including that but with Mark's text in hindsight that definitely should have been on it's the
1: because list. you don't care about us Declan you just care about yourself.
2: No, it's because I, I think so there's going to be a
1: lot of college football, a lot of swimming <laughs> and a lot of boxing and MMA. I
2: think I was selfishly thinking in a broader sense of sports as a whole and how the league changed and not just how Gretzky's trade affected us.
1: You don't care market. about the minions. You said that before when we got on the air when we were in the other room. And now here's it's just perfect once again.
2: I care about everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Todd, I have a question. How do the orders move Yamamoto because he's too small, injured too much, doesn't shoot well enough, not made for playoffs, and not see the replacement on the dry side of the line? And Lavoie, a big right shot for checking sniper. Brown was brought in for McDavid. Nuge would be perfect 3C. Lavoie is very possibly top six right wing. He might get there, but they're not going to put him in there right now. They're in a different, you know, when, when Yamamoto arrived, they were in a different part of the winning window. The uh, They weren't where they are. They're trying to win the Stanley Cup. I don't know about that list, but you're one trillion times better than the last guy. Last guy was great, too. I, I've been blessed. Honestly, I've been blessed by the people that I've worked with. And, and the young man here, uh, Declan, is one of them. <laughs> no, he's, I, I, you don't know till you're with a person in a room talking in a microphone and doing radio, whether you. Hey, there's a spark there, but Declan is a very bright guy and he makes the show.
2: Thank you. That's very, very kind of you. I appreciate it very much.
1: Love Fall Ball from Titan. Hey, LT, this is Rockford. Have you heard the rumblings? The Rangers may be ready to move on from Lafreniere, and do you believe there's any substance to it? Could be. Rangers are a silly organization, so they could be doing it. They had a really good GM there. They punted him, and now they're wallowing. Uh, Jeff Gorton is now in, I believe, Montreal. I, I give up on the Rangers. I give up on the Rangers. They're, they just are irritating to me because they have all the wealth on the planet Earth and they bring in really good players and then they trade them away uh, and they they can't get it together. Since I was a kid, they've won Stanley, but they had an overwhelming amount of talent and they the orders dropped like five great players on them and then they won. But they should have more championships. They cannot get out of their own way in New York. They're like the Mets. Tide was right I tried balderson cheese purchased at Walmart yesterday delicious thank you Lota I don't lie about food I don't lie about food honestly if you're if you are if you're having uh hot dogs tonight caramelize some onions put that on there you will thank me for it that there's just there are things in life I have learned over time often I can't eat them anymore but that's one of them Low tide, who's going to be our Marty Reisner this season? Oh, that's a good question. Marty Reisner. Okay. Fourth line. I, I, I The reason I don't think Lane Peterson is going to make the team is that's not what they're looking for. They don't need another offensive center. They need a penalty killer guy. And I think Lavoie won the job, but if they could afford 13 guys, it might be Brad Malone. I don't think it would be Lane Peterson. He's not the right fit. He just isn't. I'm a huge Texas Rangers fan, so I'll be watching from Corey. Low-tide J-Mo sighting on Tuesday. Well, I do know that j as I'm I, is a big fan of Dan Patrick. Vlad didn't even take responsibility for his error. Said nobody likes that, but that's baseball, and shrugs his shoulders. Not a stand-up guy at all. Poor leader. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree. I think he made a mistake. Uh, you know, if you want him to be humbled, fine. They didn't lose because of that. Even though it didn't look good, they 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 weren't good enough in the game. In the two games, they weren't. I mean, I I as mad as I am about the Rick Monday home run, the the Andre Dawson double play in the first inning was 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 tough. I don't blame Andre Dawson anymore. Everyone was a miss. One slight rule adjustment, and I shall lock out completely change the entire game, salary cap rule, etc.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know.
1: I wanted, to, it was just, I don't know. Things like lockouts happen in sports. Also, I'd liked your list. The thank list you. you know, if, if we want to create, you know, get one hundred sports writers and broadcasters together and vote on the list, then fine. It would be consensus. But that was your list and it was interesting.
2: I so appreciate that.
1: It. I mean, so what you don't care about hockey and it's obvious. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's the up to the rest of us to get over it. You know, it always sounds like I'm gonna compliment you. Then I just pull it it back.
2: Well, it starts that way and I finally you know, I get the butterflies in the stomach, I start I perk up my my shoulders a little bit, then it finishes with a uh with a passive aggressive insult.
1: Yeah. Well that's how I roll. I do you know how many people I slump back into my chair over here. (laughs) Do you know how many people I've known in my life who've accused me of being passive aggressive? All of them. (laughs) And you know why? Because I am. I'm and I you know, I don't even try to stop it anymore.
2: The pre show meetings are where you really get uh the juice is flowing. We get on here and you're an angel. But when we're when we're sitting in the back room there prepping, it's oh my
1: goodness. I do blame you for a lot, don't I? I feel like I can't blink without getting yelled at. <laughs> oh dear. Well, listen. One day you'll be free of me and then you'll realize what a good thing it is to be free of me. Uh, on the way, Travis Yost from TSN. We're going to talk to him about his brilliant Philip Roberg article and what we might see from the big Swedish defenseman this year. It's the lowdown. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. In hour number two, Steve Lansky will join us. Tyler Mchuk also joining us next hour. And your comments are welcome. Text us, please. 1-833-401-1440. Billy Jean King beating Bobby Riggs. Starting the conversation about the skill and acceptance of women in sport. She cleaned his clock.
2: That is a really, really good one. I'm, I'm a little mad at myself I forgot that one because that is that
1: 100% should have been on the list. He looked like a goof. He did. And he wore wear funny pants.
2: She looked like a queen.
1: She did, and she is. Come on, Low Tide. Laddie and a few other plays only think about themselves and the money. Don't give a rat's bum about his errors. All about the money. Well, I, I just don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. Do we have uh, Yost? Okay, we do. Uh, I always wonder, I'm going to ask my friend Travis Yost. When you're, like, in Canada, we get two Thanksgivings. We just watch your football and eat pizza instead of turkey. But for Canadian Thanksgiving, does that hit the radar at all in America?
0: Alan, I have been, since I've started TSN, I have been, it's, it's my biggest platform. It's my biggest idea yet. Why, why isn't this just two North American Thanksgivings where we both see them as countrywide holidays incorporated by North America proper? We all get the days off both times over. We celebrate you guys. You guys celebrate us. We get some football. We get some hockey. Like, I, is this, this is like the most no-brainer thing in the world between <laughs> the U.S. and Canada. What are we doing here?
1: Amen, brother. And we can have turkey both times.
0: I, I really it, it 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 eludes me why this hasn't already happened, and uh, neither Justin nor Joseph have responded to my calls or inquiries. So if you can reach out to either one, that'd be great.
1: Well, I you know what I can't I can't get anybody to call me back, so I won't aim that high. <laughs> Listen, I loved your article on Philip Broberg. One of the things that you do, and I think it's because you're ten thousand feet, you look at all the teams, but you you take out the 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 bias and you just look at the pure player. So it's when I read it, I I feel like you you're you're addressing down the middle, which I love about your your analysis. And Broberg was drafted too high, and it was a draft for need and yet it's done and it's a spent cost and we're looking at this player and there are some good things about him the the underlying numbers are good he has not played against difficult competition but where do, where do you, how, how important is it that Roberg play top 4 minutes successfully and and where do you see him going and how important is this year for him
0: it's huge, right? I mean, number one, he's a, he's on an expiring deal, and he does expire restricted, which is a boon for Edmonton to some degree. But he's such a fascinating player, and honestly, he's on the very short list. And I know this isn't the, you know, write an article about Ovechkin, McDavid, Crosby that generates those types of hits. But in the same vein, I think he's one of the most compelling players because – Um, there's the opportunity cost of okay, we we did not we went ahead and grabbed him too early in the draft, and that kind of hangs on his resume, right, wrong or otherwise. He hasn't yet developed to the player that they thought he would be in this top four, very mobile, physically imposing. I think he compared himself to Victor Hedman at some point a few years ago, and even Victor Hedman, I think, gave him a wink like, Yeah, maybe and like he's so far removed from that, it's it's not funny. But in the same vein, he has looked good in stretches at the NHL level. Even last year, I thought playing with Evan Bouchard was a was a big yeah. boost to his development. He was reliable. I remember there was a back and forth last season between him and Vinny Dearnay, and I didn't really even think it was a question that Broberg was the better of the two options, but. You couple that with you've got championship expectations in Edmonton. I, they are no worse than the second best team in their division, and that, that might be generous. Um, and you also now have a crowded left side, right? Between Brett Kulak and even Darnell Nurse to some degree. And you, you're looking at a situation where it's, it's almost hard for Broberg, it's very hard for him to get into the top four. Maybe impossible. Uh, it, it's even to some degree difficult for him to get into the top six. Uh, on any given day, and yet the Oilers have this still generally impressive prospect who is still just 22 years old, and it's like, okay, in one breath, in the modern NHL in 2023, young defenders are contributing and and more and more each year, and we see that. But we also see that there are still plenty of guys who need longer runways in, in terms of that development. I think the one thing that it comes down to with me with Broberg and like what, what he ends up becoming, I, I don't, you know, the skating you see clear as day, I don't see the dominance or the confidence when the puck is on his stick. Like, I think the excitement was you had this mobile two way type who, you know, we just polish out his defensive game and maybe he develops into a, you know, a quality high end second pairing guy. I don't think he carries the puck all that well. Like, he's not a very offensively friendly defenseman, which is odd because, one, that's where his skill set really skews. Two, the Oilers are just a lightning bolt of offense. And and even, I would say, three, if you watch him, if you watch clips, of video of him at lower levels, be it AHL, uh, be it juniors previously over in Sweden, like it almost looks like you're watching a different player. Like He has so much more command of the puck. He is way more aggressive getting north-south, and you just don't see that quite yet at the NHL. So whether it's confidence or decision-making or on-ice awareness, like there's something certainly in that bucket that he needs to fill. But I think that's what the Oilers need to see. But they're in this situation now going into next year. They've only got one season really left. And I think it's going to be hard for him to get, uh, you know, significant amount of minutes um, without really an explosive start to the year, which seems unlikely.
1: Travis, our guest, we're discussing his article Broberg under pressure and pivotal season uh, for TSN highly recommended the, what Broberg could represent. And I don't know if he'll get there because he was a raw skills guy. And right now he's a, he's more raw than, than he is skilled and, and he's toolsy, but he's not there. And sometimes he, he doesn't read the play properly and it's, you know, he's been here for four years, but I, I think the Oilers are two years away when Bouchard is an RFA in the summer of 2025. They're going to have to trade Darnell Nurse. I don't think they'll have a choice. The, the dollars, depending upon what the cap is, they're going to have to either trade Bouchard or Nurse. Uh, they're both going to be highly, highly paid individuals. And if Broberg could emerge as a player who could be a plug-and-play in the top four and and be a, like relied on against elite elite players, I think that has real value. If not, is it possible they cut bait as early as this trade deadline, or is that too soon on Broberg?
0: I don't, I don't think so. And quite frankly, that's the balancing act, right? Like, I do think—I really do mean this—I think he's shown enough at the NHL level, and has shown more than enough at lower levels for teams uh, at the trade deadline or otherwise, buyers and sellers alike, to say, "Hey, you know what? We're." More thinner on the blue line and that's a guy we can take a shot on right now and we can get him playing regular NHL minutes, right? Like I think of a team and just I'll pull a team out of the air, right? San Jose, Anaheim, two teams within the division, maybe not the most likely trade candidates, but they both have inherent needs on the blue line. And if you look at Broberg in the context of their depth chart and their championship aspirations, which are zero this season and likely for the next couple of years, it's, it's just a fundamentally different discussion. And by the way, to your point, I'm inclined to agree with you about this longer term. What does Darnell like? Nurse has got this funky situation where he's nine and a half million against the cap, and it's a very much love him, hate him type relationship with the player. But the moment that they acquired Ekholm, and I think Ekholm, Ekholm's contract goes out to 2026, yeah, they kind of sealed their fate there. And 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 what I mean by that is I, I say sealed their fate because I'm so I think we all are so bullish about the continued play of Evan Bouchard. Um, and what that looks like, and I just, this is a needle that they have to thread, and I think that's the tricky part here is it seems like they probably have more time than they do because he's an RFA, but at some point, if it hasn't already, the shine will wear off um, as a trade piece and as a prospect, air quotes around prospect, Um, but in the same vein, they also need to see, like, this is still a guy whose career is well in front of him. And that's why I think it's such a fascinating contractual discussion because there's a very, there are many good reasons for why the Oilers may trade off of him and say, you know what, if we can get a, you know, a a mid round, upper mid round pick, or we can get something where we can slide a roster player in that makes more sense today. Maybe the Oilers consider that, but uh, right now, but I, I don't know, you know, I think in the back of the Oilers mind, even though it was a few years ago, I still think they see, that toolsy player that you mentioned, I, we still see that at his core and we need more time. I just don't know if they're going to be afforded that time.
1: Travis, I always say this and I believe it to be true, but it's just my observation. I haven't actually, you know, done the numbers because it takes time and my head hurts, but I always feel like a prospect like Broberg is safe as long as the general manager who was there when he was drafted is also on the team. Looks like Ken Holland's final year will be this year, and we don't know. It might be Jeff Jackson. It might be Brad Holland. I don't know who would be the uh, next GM. But but is, is that is that your experience, too, where if a young player who is drafted top 10 is still kind of covered by the GM who drafted him, then he's safe. But the moment that, that cloak is removed, oftentimes that player is heading elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's that's as clear as day. And anecdotes aside, I mean there's a, there's an endless list of examples of that being true. I would say with two big caveats. The first caveat is when, and this is never a period that the NHL has experienced until right now, when you have very slow uh, cap growth, and that is so pertinent in the NHL where it is not in other leagues because of the hard cap. Uh, it, it certainly can influence teams roster building, uh, roster building mentality. And I think, you know, I am, I don't want to, I tried to go a segment without doing the Maple Leaf stuff, but I'll, I'll, I'll go one (laughs) second here, bear with me the biggest and maybe only criticism I had of Kyle Dubas, who, you know, the Maple Leafs, it's a net loss for that organization that he's gone. The one argument I didn't really have a lot of time for was, well, who could have seen the slowed cap growth coming? And it's like, I don't know, who could have seen COVID coming? Who could have seen anything that influences the economy coming? The, the whole point is you have to be prepared, and if you overspend, and guess what happens when you overspend and growth stops, then you got to tighten your belt even more. And I never found that as a credible defense for why Dubas went so deep and so long on so many players. I bring this back to the Oilers. Mention slow cap, the other piece is, Teams, especially in low cap environments, that are pressed relatively, you know, tight against the cap, where decision making becomes much more constrained, and, and and sometimes it has to be a little more cold blooded. Um, I'll borrow another team as an example, not maybe the worst example because it feels like they've drafted so few players and they're so willing to trade all of them, but the Golden Knights. It's like you get drafted, they'll trade you in six months, right? Yeah. And it's like, and you know, we talk about that organization as maybe it's a little draconian sometimes there in a way that it's not with other organizations. Um, but teams, I, I, I do think as sports modernize. And as you kind of get more business type minds in hockey decision-making roles with the, with the context of, I understand the sport. I understand how players develop, blah, blah, blah. I think you're going to see a little of that wear over time. And I, I think Vegas, maybe, maybe that's a unique example but I think that is uh, that might be the only one um, that I could think of right now of teams willing to make those changes.
1: Final question out of the blue: It's about the Ottawa Senators. Are they going to make the playoffs? And why are they uh, sending so many interesting people on waivers, and nobody's picking them up like Docker and uh, Sokolov?
0: So I lean yes. I, I think the biggest question mark in Ottawa. I, like I, I look at their lineup and I see already a playoff caliber lineup. Like I, I, I challenge people to find me eight in the east or 16 proper, uh, better skating lineups. I mean, there is just a tremendous amount of offensive talent there. Um, and, and their blue line is just materially better from where it was two, three years ago. And this is an organization and a depth chart that I have been really, really bearish on for a number of years. Um, they have done a really good job. I think if, if you had a short list of players that are must-watch going into next year, Tim Stutzla is on that list. Um, I, I think he is one of the most fascinating, dynamic, potential super talents the league has, and he, I mean he had an explosive year last year, and I, I don't think that's the end of this. Uh, the end of this for him, but that Corpusalo bet is a monster, if not because of the contract they signed him to. Uh, then, because the numbers that are backstopping that contract just have not been there. I mean, he has been under siege for two years reliably. Uh, and the, if you look at whether you're looking at you know, the historical measures of save percentages or more nuanced ones like golds versus replacement at that position based on the shot profile he's faced, uh, it's, it's giant red flags. Now, even though I'm very bearish, Corpus Allo, It sounds like Anton Forsberg has handled himself pretty well through training camp and through preseason. And, again, if we're talking about a good up-tempo skating team that can get adequate goaltending, even on a platoon from Forsberg and Corpus I think they're the seventh or eighth best team in that Eastern Conference. And I I think a lot of it is because of the young talent. But like many teams, goaltending will likely decide the fate of them.
1: Thanks for, so much for this, Yoast. Uh, good luck to Buffalo. I hope your Bills fans don't ruin Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, I think and that may lo- happen.
0: These London games scare me, man. 6 a.m., the game's starting on the West Coast. Like, what's going on? Teams down four touchdowns randomly. These games are so bizarre, and I'm still holding out hope for a Bills-Eagles Super Bowl. Oh, I love
1: it. We gotta, if that happens, we got to fly to the game and then get so drunk we don't remember the game.
0: Uh, you said it. It's on air. It's recorded.
1: It's done. <laughs> Thanks, Travis Yost. Travis Yost from TSN. Check out that article. It's very good. Steve Lansky on the way. And uh, later on next hour, Todd Yuremchak. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. This is a Sports
0: 1440
2: update. Sports 1440 update. Oilers wrap up their preseason tonight against Seattle. That game goes at 7 on Oilers Plus TV. Echo skated with the main group this morning for the first time since training camp began. He won't play tonight, and he said he can't say for sure if he'll be ready for opening night because his injury is, quote, taken longer to heal than originally thought. Elks also in action tonight against the Toronto Argonauts. That game goes at 5. The Miami Dolphins are trading Canadian wi- are trading for Canadian wide receiver Chase Claypool from the Chicago Bears. Miami, giving Chicago a 2025 6th round draft pick in exchange for Claypool and a 2025 7th rounder the Bears traded the 32nd overall pick for Claypool less than a year ago. Florida Panthers have loaned goaltender Spencer Knight to the A- AHL Charlotte Checkers. Knight checked into the NHL and NHLPA player assistant program in February and was away from the team for the remainder of the 22-23 season, last suiting up February 18th. Seven games in the AJ tonight, including the Spruce Grove Saints hosting the Co- Camrose Kodiaks. That game goes at 7 at Grand Prairie Arena. Tickets at the door, and you can also watch online, as always, at TV. Wildcats and Huskies both in action on Sunday at 1. Huskies in Regina to play the Thunder and the Wildcats in Calgary to play the Colts. I'm Declan, and this has been a Sports 1440 Update.